This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land. We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. Well, Emerald, it's been quite a week. <laughs> Has it, Tom? Oh, God. I'm ready for this year to be over. I reckon I'm done. Are you okay? You were, you were COVID-y. My body's obviously decided it's done. <laughs> Everyone who was at Green Social Conference who got COVID, it's all because of Emerald. Blame her, sue her, take her to court. (laughs) It does seem as though I've protected everyone around me. I don't know if I have infected anyone with my COVID, but I will say I literally shared a spit conductor, a microphone (laughs) with you, Tom, also with Michael, also with Michael's daughter, Juniper. Like we all shared one microphone and I also, me and my two my two best friends, literally like one of us, we, we went and got dinner that night, same night that I then later tested positive. And my friend Reed bought a single can of drink, which we passed between us um, <laughs> to share like children or something. Um, and yeah, none of those people got COVID. So I don't know. I don't know. I have come to the realization throughout this process, this journey that I'm very emotionally impacted by viruses. Um, I've realized this has happened before. Like I rarely get sick, but when I get sick, I'll often get extremely emotional um, and like just very emotionally fragile. So it was more, that was probably worse than the physical symptoms, to be honest, but I'm feeling a lot better now. Have you finished your book tour? Yeah, book tour over. Okay. Um, Officially launched, launched in the three major cities. Let the bestseller money start trickling in. (laughs) Okay. Were you emotionally impacted by the fact that you had to launch my book in Brisbane via Zoom? <laughs> You're a little left off, understand? I was emotionally impacted by the fact that people still went. That was actually, it was very nice. It was sweet. It yeah. was a packed little room. Thank you to, I don't know, I think there were probably a few serious danger heads there. So thank you. A lot of people coming up to you afterwards saying that you were the funny one, of course. Some of your employees. <laughs> uh, some other greens friendly focused. It was some great. of my employees, did you say? Yes. Yeah, they said you're oh, yeah. all, you're their boss. Josie and um, Izzy, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have COVID brain? Am I making sense? Oh, God. How did you find it? You managed to avoid it all pandemic and now you've finally been hit by the spicy yeah. cough. What do you give it out of 10? Oh, I was thinking about the phrase spicy cough and how I'm so glad people don't use that anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you hate worse, spicy cough or green slide? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I don't know about that. My final one here is the Premier is very clear that Victoria is a progressive state. We know that the Greens are going to end up with essentially the, the biggest block of votes on yeah. the crossbench in the upper house. But 1.4% of people voted for the Victorian Socialists. Can you imagine that there are people in the community of Victoria who think the Greens are too soft? I can't believe that. Can you believe that? I mean, that's just a, a pee take, surely. People are just going in there and ticking it because they think they might annoy Paul Murray on Sky one night. But, I mean, that is incredible. So we're not doing a, a regular episode this week because it's been a bit of a fucked up week mm. um, and things have just been all over the place. So, wait, should we say who we are? Who we are? I'm Emily, that's Tom. <laughs> it's a serious danger. A podcast about green politics in Australia. Not an official <laughs> Greens Party podcast. Made possible with the help of the Green Institute. Produced by Michael the Griff Griffin. Anyway, uh, go on. <laughs> imagine this for an hour, everyone. <laughs> no, 
Thankfully, we have an episode in the can that we're going to share with you. Uh, it has been a pretty wild week. We had the live show at the Greens National Conference, which have which we have released this week as a special Patreon episode. If you're a patron, you will have already got that in your sweet, sweet feed. You might have got a message from us mm-hmm. about it. If not, hey, consider becoming a patron. You can listen to that sweet bonus content live on stage at the Greens National Conference 2022 in Mianjin with special guest Michael Berko Berkman. And his daughter, Judo, who got really involved in the broadcast, which was adorable. Really involved. (laughs) Yeah. Stealing a microphone and saying absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Every time. And she fooled us every time. Every time we're like, she's going to say something brilliant this time. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently not. That's the kind of bonus content you can get. Big thanks to the new patrons who joined us over the past week, Justin, Maverick, Will, Finian, and Nick. Thank you so much. Patreon.com forward slash Serious Danger AU. Um, if you want to get involved with that bonus content. The episode we are bringing you is something we were going to release as a Patreon, but we reckon we'd like to share it with as many as people as possible and also we can't be fucked uh, recording a whole new episode, so everybody <laughs> wins out of this arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> we are chatting more about the results of the 2022 Victorian state election, which happened on my birthday. There was a green slide. Oh it's God. Greens Victoria or Greens Toria, whatever the fuck. Greens Toria. Greens Victoria. <laughs> But another party that did quite well. I feel like I've got your COVID brain like, yeah. by osmosis or something. I'm actually much more lucid than you right now. Uh, the other party that did quite well on the left was the old Victorian Socialists, mm. the VS. Interesting. And we had a chat with Daniel Lopez from Victorian Socialists last week on Friday afternoon. This is recorded. So since then, like, there's been quite a few mm. more results and some stuff is still being counted, particularly in the upper house. There is still a, a chance that Liz Walsh from the Victorian Socialist could there get up is. and their campaign okay. to elect a Victorian Socialist could actually happen. Dang. Yeah, because when, when Daniel said that, when we were recording the podcast and I hadn't been following it that closely and I was like, really? I thought you guys were kind of out of contention, but apparently not. Regardless, it's an incredible result for a party that's been around for a very yeah. short period of time. Daniel's also um, yeah, the editor of Jacobin, really smart guy, and we had a great conversation about the history of Victorian Socialists, their strategy, where they see things going from here, and I guess really diving into the relationship between the Victorian Greens or the Greens more broadly as a political electoral option for people on the left and especially disaffected young people and and VS, and whether we will become mortal enemies or, um, mm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see where everything shakes out, hey? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this combo. It's a good one. Enjoy. Are you a socialist? Yeah, socialist, yeah, socialist. Our guest is wonderful Daniel Lopez, who is the Australian editor of Jacobin Magazine. If you're not across Jacobin, check them out. They do great stuff. And a member of the executive of the Victorian Socialists. The VS had a very, very impressive showing at the recent state election for a party that's only been around for less than six years, for fuck's sake. We're going to get into that. But uh, welcome to Serious Danger. Daniel, welcome. thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Welcome, comrade, and congratulations. Okay, really quickly, the stats. The Socialists won more than 41,000 first preference votes in the state election. That's a 0.9% swing. That's only, you know, 1.4% of the statewide vote, but, you know, the party really only focused on and ran in certain seats, so it's completely understandable. And reports of the field campaign was wild. Apparently, you guys knocked on more than 130,000 doors, which seems bonkers. Is that right? We got up We got up to 188,000. I checked the stats just the other day. It's it's absolutely nuts. I don't know how we did that, but yeah. Now, if you knock on someone's door and no one answers, does that still count? Does that count in that number or no? Yes, we we record that as a knock. Yeah. Yes, yep. Yeah. Okay. We do okay. collect stats That's on conversations and all that kind of thing. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because we leave literature, we leave literature and things like that. Okay. Nice. 
Um, in some seats, like in Thomastown, Victorian socialists polled higher than the Greens. Okay, now I don't know enough about the Thomastown Greens campaign and whether and whether that was perhaps a paper candidate or wasn't there much. There wasn't much to that campaign. I, I just don't know. But you know, you get the Victorian socialists polling at about eight percent of the Greens at sort of four. So it's pretty pretty wild. Um, I guess first thing, yeah. What do you make of those of those results? You guys must be pretty stoked, right? Yeah, we're really really excited by it. God, the election night party was that was good, but no, <laughs> the results just kept coming in, and it was really good because um, this is the first major campaign we've run in the Western Metropolitan Region, so Footscray mm-hmm. all the way out to you know Werribee, Point Cook, places like that. Uh, yeah, we were totally thrilled with that. I mean, we got ten percent in Footscray, like that. That's mm. just yeah, mm. we're really very happy with that. Um, and, you know, I, I guess the notable thing, um, you know, all of these like outer suburban working class seats, like, you know, you mentioned Thomastown, like Broadmeadows, like what do we get in Broadmeadows? Um, I've got numbers over here if I can find them. Um, we got 8.2% Broadmeadows, which we're really, really happy about. Um, yeah. You know, you name it. Uh, Brunswick, 83 is a great result. Um, yeah. We're obviously running and prioritising uh, upper house seats on account of that's much, much more winnable for a small party that's just starting out. And apparently we're still a shoe-in for the uh, Western Metro. Basically what we need, we need about, I think it's about 700 votes from legalised cannabis to go some other way. And we're really hoping oh. that the postal votes, I mean, you know, the 420 Blazer crowd, they're probably not that on point with postal votes, so we're really hoping that assumption <laughs> pays off. Um, yeah. So we're in with a shot there. Yeah. They probably rolled it up as a doobie, man. <laughs> you know what I like. We all want to legalize cannabis here. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yes, that's that's a unity ticket. Okay, that's good to know. Well, yes. Um, I mean, fingers crossed. I mean, I think it would yeah be pretty extraordinary. That was, this was a big line of the campaign, you know, get a socialist elected to parliament. That was the big campaign. So if you actually pull that off, uh, you know, on top of all these already impressive results, that'd be pretty sick. Um, but maybe just really quickly, Daniel, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. if we do a really yep. quick history of who Victorian Socialists is, this is, as I said, the second state election in which they've appeared. So wh- what happened? This electoral project that sprang up before the 2018 um, state election, who were the Victorian Socialists? Who makes up that group and where'd they come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, before the 2018 state election, I think possibly the idea germinated in the I think maybe Guy Rundle had the idea, uh, but got together Socialist Alternative, which is, I guess, a small, quite radical group that's previously been very campus-based. Um, Socialist Alliance, which they're sort of around the country. Um, they have a councillor in Moreland. Um, Steve Jolly, who's like a local councillor um, mm. in the Yarra area with quite a profile, got together those groups uh, to put together like basically an electoral coalition. So at that point, uh, people didn't really conceive of the Victorian Socialists as a party in the traditional sense with branches, with its own, you know, internal processes and culture and all that kind of thing. It was more like a coming together of those different groups to try and achieve something more than each one of those parts could do. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we were quite pleased with the result in 2018. We didn't get across the line, um, but we did break through in enough electorates to gain electoral funding, which makes it a lot easier to do it the next time. And we gained like a huge amount of experience. You know, we certainly weren't as big in those days. Um but, you know, we, we started, we began a door knocking operation. We didn't get anywhere near 188,000 um, doors knocked, but we started to learn how to do it. Um, we learned the importance of data management, which is just wild. Like you really, we've moved over to Civi apparently, and it's very good. I have no idea about that stuff, but I'm told it's excellent. <laughs> um, you know, we started to refine our pitch. Uh, I guess it was very focused on concrete economic realities. Um we do try and introduce sort of political questions in interstate politics. Like we want, we wanted Victoria to become a sanctuary state for refugees, for example, um, but really like hip pocket stuff, um, reversing privatisation, you know, you name it. 
And, you know, we were quite thrilled with the, res- uh, the response we got then. So it made a lot of sense to continue on after that. There was a little bit of a lull for maybe a year, um, I suppose, because there wasn't another election coming up and some of the constituent groups fell back into their usual routines of doing, you know, having meetings um, and going to rallies, <laughs> uh, which is very good. Um, but then we sort of made a comeback during 2020 and we ran in the council elections um, across Melbourne. Um I, as I guess you'd know, there's sort of different setups for the council elections. So some have multi-member wards, others have single-member wards. Those are much, much harder to break into, but the multi-member wards are where it's achievable. And we got someone across the line in Footscray. Um, that's George Jokera. He's great. I really love the guy. He's um, hmm. he's sort of the right combination of like very energetic, very well-connected, um, very approachable, and, you know, a, a good local councillor. So God, within the first couple of months of him him taking up that seat, we had a few quite small wins, but I think quite significant for local people. Like we got Vietnamese taught in a handful of schools in um, that area, which hadn't been the case previously, and that was quite significant. Um, we managed to sort of defend a couple of social housing projects against NIMBY opposition over there. So that started to get a bit of a resonance. Then we took a tilt in the federal election. Um, we knew that we weren't going to win anything in the federal election. The goal was really to get our name out there. We ran Aaron Mavalganum as our lead candidate, who's a refugee mm-hmm. from a Tamil refugee. Um, so we were really happy with the response there. And then it made sense to pivot immediately to the state election. I guess in some ways the federal election was like a trial run. We were trying to mm-hmm. you know, get our networks down. We were trying to get our campaign infrastructure down, train our volunteers, um, sort of finesse the pitch, and then go into the state election. So and the ambitious part about it was we ran in both both of those uh, large districts, the north and the west. Right. But uh, just going back to first principles, Daniel, because, mm-hmm. I guess, again, you've got like revolutionary socialists here, you know, socialist mm-hmm. alternative are, yeah, pretty pretty radical. They're very good at uh, organising rallies and, you know, full credit to them. They're often at the forefront of Melbourne leftist, um, you know, street protest and they do, do some, you know, fucking cool stuff in there. But my, the impression I always got is that, they viewed parliament as a bourgeois institution. They wanted to tear down the state and the electoralism was stupid and dumb. So what, what's that turn there where they sort of say, oh, no, mm. actually running in elections is valuable and, and a worthwhile leftist project? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not a member of theirs. I, I used to be once upon a time. Um, I'll go into that later if you want. Um, mm. um, yeah. <laughs> I'm very good friends with my comrades. They're, they did it. You know, we couldn't have pulled off the campaign without them. They, you know, there's an incredible amount of energy that a 24-year-old Trotskyist has to go and do campaigning, and the fact that they have harnessed that, that's just, that's that's very good. Um, the political logic there, if you look into what they wrote before Vic Socialists and going way back, they sort of had quite an orthodox Marxist line on elections, which, yes, bourgeois state, yes, tear down parliament, et cetera, but you do go into parliament. That's always been the orthodox position. It's, it's rarer within the Marxist left to completely reject parliament. You just, parliament should be a platform for building movements, building strikes, um, you know, raising the consciousness of the proletariat, that kind of thing. Um, so their assessment previously was always that it just, the time wasn't right. You know, that they were too small, they couldn't pull it off. And they didn't want to fall into that trap that some small socialist groups do, which is sort of to run in every election on principle and get 0.01% of the vote. And then, you know, just pay no attention to those results. You know, Mm. they didn't want to do that. They saw that as a waste of time. But when they saw a real opportunity, they started the process of of doing it. Um, So, you know, these days, like, yeah, that's, as far as I understand, that's their logic behind doing it. Um, I do think with those guys, uh, one thing I quite respect about what they've done in the last couple of years, by being involved in these kinds of campaigns and taking those issues very seriously, they have gotten very good at doing mass politics and responding to quite concrete issues that, that face locals in different areas. So, mm. you know, turns out that's compatible with a kind of very protest-focused revolutionary Marxism. 
good on them. Yeah. That's, what yeah. do you mean, like, when you say that then they see an opportunity? Yeah, do you know how are the decisions made to target particular seats, like on what basis? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's made in the Victorian Socialist Executive, the Governing Council is kind of the, uh, that they're both elected um, by the Victorian Socialist Conference. So, you know, effectively, like, there'll be proposals in the six months or year leading up to the election. Um, they'll be distributed. Uh, there'll be a, a process of discussion. We'll have a discussion about it at the conference. Typically, there's some discussion, some debate about the emphasis, but usually it's based on an understanding about where we've got members, where we've got a presence, mm-hmm. where we have a realistic chance of having wins. You know, there's a really healthy degree of realism going on in Victorian socialists. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's why we haven't crossed the river yet. You know, we've decided not to go into the, the South. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people on the ground, existing vote for notionally progressive parties, that sort of thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. We don't. We haven't focused as much on the vote that progressive parties already get. Yeah, that's get. what we I'm focused, interested in. Yeah, like because okay, the thing about the VS vote, and we got this in the first time we ran, we noticed that in areas like Northcote, we do quite well, which you know, relatively mm-hmm. affluent. But yet, there's renters that live there, so you know, it shouldn't be characterised as just affluent. Um, and that's you know, a much more typically pro greens area, obviously Labor. Um, mm. So we get a strong vote there, but we've also got a strong vote out in Broad Meadows in the north of Melbourne mm. the first time we ran. Um, I think partly because places like that have been completely abandoned by Labor, um, and I don't, I don't see you certainly don't see as many Greens campaigners out there. You know, I don't mm. know if that's a result of a choice or the decision to focus resources on on winnable lower house seats. I guess as well because we don't think we can win lower house seats at this point. It's not right. really that much in our interest to throw everything at one lower house seat. Um, it makes yeah. more sense to go broad. True. But since we found that we could build an order, a, a base out there, why not? So we really sort of. The main assessment going on in our minds is where do we find a resonance for what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just before we come to um, uh, 22 again and, and go over these, uh, this election just gone, just in those in-between years between 2018 and 2022, I mean, I think should, we should reiterate that, like, again, because of a str- Victoria's cooked upper house system, Stephen Jolly didn't get a upper house seat. He basically would have. If it was a normal sort of voting system, then he actually got mm. enough votes to get a higher quota than fucking Darren Hinch or whatever, who actually mm. um, the Darren Hinch Justice Party. So, you know, it, it was certainly a campaign that would have <laughs> yielded results in a normal system. Now, that's obviously not the system we have in Victoria. It is all cooked, but that's just a point uh, worth, uh, worth pointing out, I think. But then post that election, as, as I understand it, yes, things did get a little bit, it ended in sort of a weird wilderness years. I believe the Socialist Alliance faction sort of stepped away from the project. Mm-hmm. Stephen Jolly was sort of, was, and we don't need to go into the details of this, but there was some controversy surrounding him and some allegations that eventually saw him move away from the party as well. And so it seemed to be like the, the VS thing had fallen over a little bit. And mm-hmm. then coming into 2022, and I know that you're part of a caucus within Victorian Socialists called Socialist Unity. It was obviously clearly this effort or this organising effort, a bit of internal politics to bring people back to the fold and to, come back to this election, you know, stronger than, than ever, really. Can you just tell us a little bit about, about that process and what happened there? Yeah, so, okay, um, in 20, so basically after the 2018 state election, uh, the party went into a kind of default or a kind of hiatus. It wasn't mm. really the result of a conscious decision, so the people just fell back into their, you know, you've got these quite small socialist organisations that are very used to doing the thing that they do. Um, they mm. quite like doing those things. And, like, to, to, to be fair to them, like, those things are, are quite positive things. I mean, like socialist alternative members have sustained, they sustained the campaign to free the refugees in Park Hotel. VS was mm. part of that as well. But sometimes those yeah. activist efforts can really win results. Steve Jolly, excellent local councillor, most energetic local councillor in Melbourne, um, Socialist Alliance, again, presence in, in um, Moreland. So we all sort of fell back into our own routines and our own ways. Now, around that time, um, well, 
to put it diplomatically, I was chucked out of social alternative for advocating for the very thing that they are doing now, which is electoral socialism. Um, I was a little <laughs> bit too enthusiastic about Bernie Sanders. Um, so, you know, I caused a stink and I got thrown out. So I was like, right, okay, I need a party. Victorian Socialists are going to be that party. So I set about talking to a bunch of independents. And to be clear as well, Victorian Socialist membership has always greatly exceeded those constituent groups. Um, they can have a disproportionate uh, impact because they're very cohered, they're organised, they're experienced, um, but the broader membership is much bigger. Um, mm -hmm. So I talked to a, a number of independents who wanted Victorian Socialists to be more active. Um, the pandemic was beginning, you know, the world felt like it was ending. I, I remember I was in the North Tower of Trades Hall working on articles and I looked out and the sky was red and I was like, oh, my God, this is not a good situation. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I got talking with people and we put together a little bit of a platform within the party to say, right, okay, you know, we understand if social alternative doesn't want to throw all their resources into this, that's their choice to make, mm -hmm. that's reasonable, but we do think Victorian socialists should be doing some things, so make yeah. it possible for that for us to start doing that. We had a big row uh, because, you know, if there's one thing about small socialist groups is they can get defensive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Within that row, um, you know, within that row, basically the outcome was a recognition that we needed to do more. We sort of found some baseline things that we could agree on. Uh, but that said, the Socialist Alliance at that point took it as a cue to leave. Now, there are different readings of that. Uh, I didn't agree with them at the time. Um so this is very much my own reading. If you ask one of those guys, they'll probably say something different. Well, that they argued that Victorian socialists wasn't democratic. Um, I argued that they could bring maybe 15 people to a conference and they simply lost a vote. Um, mm. I mm -hmm. just think if you want to do politics, you need to try and get the numbers. Um, oh, so yes. Oh my God. People who argue that, yeah, that something's undemocratic simply because they can't organise. <laughs> yeah, right. always fun. Mm. Getting more people to agree with you, that's cheating. Okay, you got to yeah. do that. Oh, no, it's that like branch stacking. You mean you've just recruited a number of people in good faith and they seem to agree with you? It's wild. But, yeah. The other thing I did hear around the traps is the Socialist Alliance for a long time has positioned itself as the Socialist Party for Australia. Mm. Um, they never, and I, I remember in the 2000s when they were numerically very significant and they seemed to have a shot, mm. um, I kind of think they were eclipsed by the rise of the Greens. And I think also the decline of protest movements did not help at all. Mm. Um, but the order came through from Sydney, I think, um, where they're stronger and where their leadership is based. So I had a number of the Socialist Alliance people in Melbourne call me at the time saying, oh, look, we don't think it's good. We're leaving. We don't. We think that's a mistake, but, you know, whatever, we're committed to our thing. So they left. Yeah. The thing is that wasn't very numerically significant for Vic Socialists because they never really brought a lot of activists. Um, they mm. brought experience in terms of Moreland and council politics um, and certainly cred because, you know, it's a left unity project. But, yeah, when that happened, I basically made a call to say, look, I, I, I'm not going with the Socialist Alliance because, you know, I mean, yeah, their design values are terrible. Um, so I decided to go <laughs> stick with VS and set up my own caucus and, you know, push an argument for basically our argument was uh, Victorian socialists should become a party. Mm -hmm. um, it should, yeah. you know, develop towards branches, towards mass membership. We should start collecting serious dues from our members. We should develop a platform. We should professionalise. We should develop, a, you know, uh, expertise in different areas like data, comms, you name it. Um, and sort of over time, I think that, I think, um, you know, others in the party wanted that as well. So I don't want to present it as though we did this. It's sort of, yeah. I think we all found a way to agree. Uh, and then we went into the council elections and that was mm. um, that was successful and including under lockdown too. You know, mm. I, we just spent days and days and days walking around leafleting, uh, letterboxing because yeah. we obviously yeah. couldn't door knock or hold stalls or talk to people. So, yep. yeah. And then we got over the line in Footscray and that seemed to vindicate the project. Um, mm. So then the logical thing to do was to keep going and to, you know, find ways to build out and to expand. 
the main thing I just really want to make sure that we talk about is the the door knocking because obviously as mm. a Queenslander, as as a Greenslander, I I want to hear more about this fucking massive door knocking project. Like I think for perspective, I, a, a lot of the time maybe people who haven't been involved in designing a door knocking campaign or a field campaign, the numbers start to mean nothing because it's all just big numbers and you're like, okay, you knocked on that many doors, what does that actually mean? Mm. Um, in Queensland in the federal election, where we ran obviously our our biggest field campaigns ever, we across our three target seats, Griffith, Brisbane, Ryan, had uh, they knocked on around 128,000 doors, so still less than the the total that you're saying you knocked on uh, around 188,000 mm. doors. So I I'm like I know that there was you know I think Travis on Twitter from who's a Greens member was saying. Mm are these numbers really possible? And certainly I looked at them and thought for, a, for like a relatively tiny party, how are those numbers possible? Like what does the spread across seats look like? What does that actually look like in terms of how many people are involved in the hours that went into that mm-hmm. kind of massive field campaign? Uh, let's see. So uh, I asked a couple of the organisers for numerical estimates this time around, mm. keeping in mind this is the fourth major campaign we've run. So Mm. I, I think this is similar in, in Brisbane as well. Like the more you do it, the more you train people, yes. the more they become adept at it, they learn how to talk to people better, um, you know, your logistics get better. So I believe we had about 400 volunteers involved on quite a regular basis uh, from about yep. August going into the state election and okay. on average probably putting in about six hours a week. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the other thing that we typically do, we sort of have different formats of door knocks, but we find that doing a very big all-in door knock where we converge on a given mm. area, distribute yep. maps, distribute kits and have yeah, a you know, bit of a speech. Mm. Yeah, and then sort of, you know, go and filter out into that area. Um, we find that's really useful. Like it means yeah. that people feel that they're part of, you're much more part of something, you know. And yeah. I find that door knocking, I love it. Like it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's you just get to talk to such a broad spread of people and have such interesting conversations. And you get to yeah. read houses too, you know. You sort of walk yeah. past one you go, absolutely a shared house, definitely knock on that yeah. door. You know, and then <laughs> the, the beautiful big sort of, you know, log mansions, it's like, okay, you know, we'll see how this goes. Maybe, I don't know, but, you know, these guys look pretty wealthy. We don't know. Or like in the inner city where it's obviously a lot wealthy, but you try. Um, and you talk to everyone. Like that's the, mm. that's one of the things. Yeah, that so you do. You don't like yes. filter. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Do you knock on the door even if they have a labour placard out the front, Ooh, which we've been told is the worst possible thing that anyone yeah. can do? Would you do that? <laughs> yes, yes, we you'll would. never be able to swing a labour vote. Of course you would. Of course we would. <laughs> well, there was there's one house on Sydney Road that had you know Vic Socialist Greens labour all in a row. Uh, right? people have that. I was like, God, to live in this house. I think you just like signs. Yeah, you just want to. Advocating for a correct preferential vote. (laughs) A very sophisticated message maybe is lost on some. (laughs) Yes, arranged from left to right. So do you know then how many, so how many conversations um, did you get out of that, out of of those door knocks? Oh, God, we do record that one, but that is a stat that I don't have on hand. Based on experience, uh, you know, look, one in ten or, you know, maybe a little higher than that would answer. Like you get a lot of Mm. no answers. Um, You do leave leaflets and things with people like that. Um, And out of that, uh, say out of 20 conversations, honestly, I think my my experience of this has been fairly, um, it matches with the stats, you know, like Mm. somewhere between, you know, one, two, um, three and 20 might, you know, respond in some way that's sympathetic. Um, Maybe Mm. one in 20 will be very sympathetic. Let's say, yes, I'd like a sign. Yes, this is great. Got on you guys, I'm going to vote for you. I have certainly noticed over the last little while there's way more recognition. Mm. I think that's a really big advantage. Like people know who we are now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah. And like the, the ground game, you know, the signs, we have we had way more signs out this time around. We have placards, yeah. we have posters, partly okay. as well because of the funding model. You know, if you break over the 4% mark, you get funding. Yeah. And so that mm. makes it way more viable. You can spend more in the next mm. election. I think it's a, it's a pretty good model. And what mm. are you saying? Like what what's the basic kind of conversation structure when you actually get to talk to someone on the door? Mm. Uh, look, I mean, I find that typically the key is to try and start a conversation. So, you know, if you <laughs> lead simple, with a, right? <laughs> well, you know, you say that, but like. Yeah. <laughs> As they're closing the door. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, like anything, you know, whatever comes to mind, usually based on a read of the house. Like if you lived here long, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? Yep. You know, Hi, I'm from Victorian Socialists. Have you heard about our party? We're running in this coming election. Uh, wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you about local issues. Have you read the Communist Manifesto? <laughs> <laughs> Can I see your bookshelf? Uh, do, you, do, do you want to kill the bourgeois? <laughs> <laughs> Chairman Mao says you should vote for us. Yeah. <laughs> Can I introduce you to my Lord and Saviour, Leon Trotsky? Um, um, and then if I have to choose policies to lead on, um, I sort of make a call based on a read of the house. So if it's renters, yeah. you just say, look, we, you know, we want to freeze rents. Uh, we want to build a lot of public housing. Um, you know, we want to introduce a whole series of reforms to the way the Tenancy Act works. Um, you mm. know, we want to end no-fault evictions. Um, mm. You know, we want to put the onus on um, landlords. Uh, when it comes to things like VCAT, we want to set up an inspectorate that will go around and look at rental properties and say, right, this isn't up to standards. You have to fix these things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if it's, you know, it, it really depends. Um, you know, this election, the uh, anti-privatisation message went a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to reverse privatisation, um, mm-hmm. obviously electricity, you know, telephones, public transport. Um, I think that was quite good. Also, our candidates will only accept basically a worker's wage. That's very mm-hmm. popular. Um, yeah. You know, basically a senior yes. nurse's wage. We don't think yeah. that politicians should be more privileged than those that they represent. And donate the rest. Yes, yes. Like yeah. set up basically a fund to support community campaigns or good causes in the local area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I think that can help cut through a lot because like one thing we notice, and I think um, certainly from conversations with like Greens in Brisbane, like, you know, mates with Liam Flanetti and, and Max and yeah. all that, um, they emphasise that there's this huge disconnect between most people in politics and I yeah. think that's very, very true. You don't notice it as much somewhere like Northcote, but out in Thomastown or Broadmeadows, absolutely you do. So, mm. you know, saying, well, we're different. Well, why are you different? Well, our candidates will only accept the same wage as a senior nurse. Mm. You know, we think these guys are out of touch mm. and it cuts right through. You know, we think politics is broken. It's rigged for the rich. So some of that straightforward rhetoric I think is quite effective. Mm. But, you know, really what you want is to have a conversation. Yeah, and will you use that because, I mean, maybe this is a little cheeky of me to ask, but is that one of the lines that we, you would use? Because presumably you have lines that we, you would use when people ask, well, why should I vote for you instead of the Greens? Oh, yeah. What are the sort of things that you would say to that? Mm. No, that's fair enough. Um, the first thing I'd say is like, look, we think you should vote number two for the Greens. Um, you know, a lot of our policies are aligned. So we're mm-hmm. not trying to run a hostile campaign towards the Greens. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing we'd say after that is, well, we want more systemic change. Um, you know, we want a transformation. We want a political system that doesn't just favour the rich. We want a, a much more... We want a more radical redistribution of wealth. Mm. And, you know, that said, I don't find that that, well, I don't find that this question comes up a lot, interestingly. Interesting. I guess the other thing we'd say is it's class politics, you know, and I'm not trying to characterise the Greens or or Greens members here. Um, You know, I guess it's just a difference between an explicitly and openly socialist party and then a party Mm. that has many socialists within it or many socialist policies. Um, But we say, look, we're for a working class party. We're from, we want yeah. a party that supports unions. We're for a party that supports working class people, working class areas. Um, we want to do that. And then we don't negatively campaign about the Greens, but usually there's an implicit like, oh, yes, I see what you mean. Okay. 
You, know, yeah. you guys don't, you don't have a tree toy problem. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And it's, but that's, it's yeah. interesting, right? Because actually I'm kind of exposing my, I think from an inside insider perspective, it's obvious to people like us that the key like competitor, the major competitor to, to the Greens on, on the left is Victorian Socialists or like that they sit in a very similar kind of space electorally mm. um, and are competing against each other for votes, whereas it's probably still the case, particularly in, you know, in a lot of the seats you were campaigning in, that the ordinary voter doesn't see it that way because, yeah, they don't, assert, they don't necessarily see the Greens as a socialist party and they don't hear Victorian mm. Socialists and think that's a, that's a competitor to the Greens, mm. which says something in itself, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it also, we really need to underline, I think we've explored this on the show, the difference between the state branches, right? I mean, Mm. and there is no real Victorian socialist um, equivalent in in Queensland. And as we've discussed, the Queensland Greens have pursued a left-wing populist class analysis politics for a long time. And Victorian Greens, again, much love comrades, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. But let's be real. It's just, it's just a slightly more conservative party that isn't necessarily engaging in those same kind of politics. And I assume, Daniel, that's, you know, that's why you're not a member of, of the Greens. You just don't see that same class analysis or awareness coming through in, in the Victorian Greens, the Victorian branch mm. of, of the federal Greens, if that's fair to say. I'd say based on my experience, oh, there's personally why, look, I mean, this can be missed because it seems like such a straightforward point, but there's a huge power in campaigning for a party that completely aligns with the your political perspective. I'm a socialist. Yes. You know, I'd like yep. to campaign for an openly socialist party. And I yep. haven't found that that's a liability. You know, like mm. very, yeah. very yep. few people say, oh, I don't like, you know, you get your Eastern Europeans who are like, I come from a communist country. Yeah. I don't like communism. And I'm like, absolutely fair enough. Get it. But then you get your, you know, old mates from Southern European countries who's like, yes, I'm a communist. How do I vote yeah. for a communist? But like, this is marginal. Most people just have no idea about these things. Mm. So that's the broadest, you know, I'd like to be in a socialist party. I think even within the Victorian Greens, there are distinctions. You know, like I'm a big Adam Bant fan. He's great. He's a really good leader. Um, mm. A huge Lydia Thought fan. She's wonderful. Like, she's a real radical. She deserves all yeah. of our support. Um, but like, you know, they're focused on federal parliament as they probably need to be. Um, then on like a local council area, there start to be a few more problems. Like for example, I lived up in Preston for eight years where the Preston market's a huge problem. Um, mm. Developers are trying to knock it down to build a shopping mall. Uh, the community loves the Preston market. And, you know, actually that seat could fall to Gaetano Greco, who is a independent um, sort of a very, he describes himself as what Labor used to be in the seventies. And I think it's pretty much, that's <laughs> okay. correct. Um, yeah. And it's overwhelmingly because of his, his advocacy for the market. He's basically saying, right, well, if you're serious about the market, the market needs to be brought into public ownership. Um, the Greens on council have not said that. At times they've oh. been ambiguous on the question. At times they've presented redevelopment plans that are backed by the developers to the state government as though that is representative of the local area. I don't really think of them as tree Tory Greens. I think of them as human resources Greens. You know, Pride Week is very important. <laughs> but also we've had to do a restructure and 10% of casual jobs are going to go. I mean, I work at universities, so, you know. Yeah. So, like, you know, at a local level, like this certainly isn't the case for everyone. Like I'm not trying to have a yeah. go. Um, but like at a local level, you also don't see local Greens branches doing a lot of activism in Melbourne. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, like the thing that I, re- I realised Max was going to win in Griffith like in two seconds once I heard that they'd mobilised the whole volunteer organisation to help with flood relief. During like, the yes, of course, there's yeah. going to be a huge swing. Mm. I just haven't seen Greens branches in, in Melbourne do that. And I've kind of been looking mm. out for it because I feel like that's what they'd need to do. Well, like why mm. did we get 10% in Footscray the first time we've run there in a state election, the local council, yeah. and we've done a lot in that area. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. yeah, the local activism angle I think is important. 
And so that's what I'm wondering. Like, I'm curious about Brunswick because you said that you got what swing did you get in Brunswick? Uh, let me have a look. Um, we got in Brunswick. We got eight point three percent. From memory, okay. that's a swing of about two and a half percent from last time. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's a that's pretty decent, and that's a seat that has a green incumbent. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, why? Yeah, why that would happen? I mean, do you? Does it have something to do with the way that Greens Greens MPs there are using their electoral office resources to run community campaigns and things like that or not? I haven't seen them do a lot of that stuff in Brunswick. I haven't lived there, so there could be things on the ground that I'm missing, but I haven't seen them run a lot of community campaigns there. I think it's probably also an overhead of having been in council for a very long time and having been uh, part of politics for quite a long time. So there's a sort of an institutionalisation. That's my other thing. Are they part of the establishment? Like, do people see them as, yeah, because they've got, it's, it's this ironic thing where like, I, I think, and I'm sure there are probably Victorian Greens who think this about the Queensland Greens, that it's like beginner's luck almost, like that because we are so young and fresh and people aren't sick of us yet because we've done shit in the past, mm. that it's easier for us to get these swings. Whereas, yeah, Victorian Greens have kind of been, you know, a major third force in electoral politics in Victoria for a long time. Um, and so it's harder to make gains and it's also especially hard when you have this real kind of anti-political sentiment and people don't want people who are establishment politicians. Mm. Yeah, look, I don't think people are hostile. Certainly the kind of, let me put it this way, the Greens by far have the strongest party identification among voters and especially among millennials and younger. Um, Mm. In the federal election, I was campaigning in Richmond, which obviously just fell to the Greens in the state election. Um, And, like, it happened over and over. You'd see someone who's, you know, about, you know, 30s or younger, uh, you know, usually fairly fashionably dressed, you know, a bit alternative, and beeline for the Greens leaflet, take that, look at Mm. me and go, no, thank you, I know who I'm voting for. I'm like, interesting, comrade. We, we literally yeah. want you to vote for the Greens, but just take yeah. a leaflet. Um, yeah. That was a little less prominent this time, like I think maybe just because we'd gotten out there a bit more, um, not because mm. of anything the Greens did. So it's like this default starting point for people on the left. Of course you vote for the Greens. Uh, I honestly, if I had to explain um, why the Greens didn't push up their vote in seats like that, I would just say mm. it's the ground game and the activist game. Mm. And I think, I think we've recruited a lot of activists and mm. I don't know how many... Look, honestly, like the kind of people who would be joining the Greens in Brizzy, and I would probably be if I was up there, I think they've probably joined VS, which doesn't mean that there can't be an activist Mm -hmm. game built on the ground by Mm -hmm. the Greens here. But you'd have to pick local issues to organise a campaign around, like in Darabin, Preston Market, you know, in Footscray, there's heaps of, you know, there's been environmental disasters, like a, you know, a fire at a a rubbish dump um, that happened just you know, it, it's been burning underground for years. You know, we've organised campaigns against that. Um, Those kinds of things to focus on and get you know, activists to prove to people in the community that they're doing something, I think, yeah. is the key. I mean, it's, it's also just look, I think you'd agree with this, Daniel, looking over some of these results, it's very clear that you guys got a lot of people to switch from Labor to Victorian socialists. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's not. I mean, in, in Northcote probably it's a different story, but and, and I'm sure there are lots of, you know, formerly Greens voters who may have voted further left. But as far as I can tell, like in Brunswick, for example, Tim Reid got a, a small but a 1.8% swing to him on his primary. The Labor mm-hmm. candidate, Mike Williams, had a 9% swing against him, mm-hmm. and that's Oof. where the Victorian socialist, you know, picked up that huge 8.7%. So, and, and I think it was the true was in a few others, particularly maybe maybe in Preston or Pascoe Vale as well, a similar result. You're getting the... Mm-hmm. The Labor primary going down and Victorian socialists really do seem to be the benefit of that. Yes, I think that's true. Um, mm. I think on one hand it's that we we campaign hard in some of those traditionally Labor areas. The huge disconnect from party politics there, like, you know, basically I think voters endorsed Daniel Andrews' handling of the pandemic. That's a very important mm. point. 
That's, mm. but this is hardly a reason to be very enthusiastic. It's just a reason to yep. not vote for the Liberals. Then, yep. you know, what else? Okay, well, level crossings, you know, no one <laughs> likes level crossings. That's fine. Um, but then, you know, like, for example, in Broadmeadows, like no one had seen the Labor, the local Labor MP for years, you know, mm. not visible, not present in the committee, not doing anything. And you couple yeah. that with the fact that no one expects much from Labor. And so mm. the residual identification with Labor is very old and it's very residual. For younger yeah. people in particular, like, why would you? Mm. Except for this vague residual class identification. Yeah. Like, I was having a chat with a voter who actually had come in from the country, so, you know, he could vote for us in the upper house, but... You know, he was um, absentee voting. Um, you know, but this young guy had just taken up a trade, really not political, and he was like, oh, you know, it's the first time I voted, had to figure out who I was going to vote for, asked a couple of mates, and they said, if you own a business, you vote for the Liberals. If you work for a business, you vote for Labor. <laughs> that, that still exists. Um, yeah. but we can yeah. try and get through to that and say, well, yeah. yeah, okay, never vote for the Liberals, great, but, like, you know, would you like a party that would try and make things better for you? That, yes. If that sounds nice, you could consider us. Yeah, yeah, same same challenge for us. Well, the Labor Party that says when businesses <sighs> succeed, we all do well. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Two last things I'd love to hit on mm-hmm. just before we wrap up, Daniel, and thanks very much for giving us time, even though you are the enemy and we will destroy you. <laughs> um, <laughs> first of all, I mean, you talk about how committed and these activists that you're recruiting and, you know, anyone who was out handing out how to vote cards or indeed was going to pre-poll or, you know, was just engaging in any way mm. with the political environment over the past couple of weeks would have almost certainly run into a Victorian socialist volunteer <laughs> or an activist. And this caused a fair bit of controversy because these oh, are extremely yeah. dedicated people. These are people who will who are extremely politically committed, have thought a lot about what they think and have no Qualms. inhibitions necessarily <laughs> about prosecuting that case, talking to people, <laughs> walking people right up to the booth, mm. asking questions again and again. Yes, and, you know, some would describe this approach as either aggressive or it might put some people off. Now, in my experience, I saw it put some people off once or twice for sure, but broadly speaking, on balance, I was just overwhelmingly impressed that you had all these young people fully committed, working really hard, multiple um, volunteers on any one polling booth station. And as I mentioned, I think to Emerald, like the belly aching from both Greens volunteers and Labor volunteers about the behaviour of the Victorian socialists just really seemed to ring of, of jealousy, of jealousy that we don't have as many young, engaged people excited about a political project for our Sounds parties. Like, and yeah. and that, that would be my attitude. We, sh- we should be trying to give these young people a reason to to see hope and, you know, leftist and hopefully socialist ideas within what the Greens are banging on about. But I'm just interested in your reflections on the kind of criti- criticisms you heard about VS t- strategies and tactics on the, on the booths and you know, the generally more radical mm. and more forthright approach to trying to win votes out there. What do you think about all that? Oh, look, you know, I think Adam Samurek was running that line, um, who literally <laughs> is too corrupt from the Labor, for the Labor Party and was expelled. Um, he yeah. may be returned too, which will be interesting. He may claim yes. Fiona Patton's seat, yeah. which is an absolute indictment of the voting system that we have. Mm. Um, you know, Cos Samaras, Labor pollster, he was also running that line. Um, you know, the idea that it's bullying is just, oh, my God, really? Like, come on. Mm. It's like an enthusiastic 23-year-old Trotskyist having a bit too much of a forthright conversation. Like, yep. you know, there probably yep. are a handful of our volunteers that need to read the room a little better. Like, but then <laughs> the thing you said, <laughs> for every like, one vote you yeah. might lose like that, you'd probably gain three or four because no one talks to people about politics. And, you know, yes. we had, you know, anecdotes of coming in that we were publicising on our Twitter and, you know, other social media people saying, oh, 
this person took the time to explain their policies. I love mm-hmm. it. Yes. Right. right. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. That's, that's a good thing. You know, obviously mm. we'd like to train our volunteers, but I guess <laughs> as well, when you have a movement, you're going to have rough, rough elements and rough edges and, and that's fine. You know, what they lack in grace, they make up for enthusiasm. It's a lot done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like obviously you don't want to be a dick to anyone, but right. for a small yeah. party in particular, and as you would know, that just like the Greens can probably struggle to get media coverage of your policies, that is the one place that you can make sure, well, I would have loved to have a bit more of a chat about postal votes, um, the problem with that, but the one place you can make sure you can get in front of someone as they're about to vote and be like, this is what you're actually voting for if you vote for us. Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, you know, the, the impression I get, particularly from Queensland Greens folks, is that for the most part, they have managed to thread the needle of being both politically committed, but also being normal, normal people. And I'm not saying Victorian socialists aren't normal people. We're incredibly charming. It's just, it's the sun, it's the weather up here. So, you know, we just can't help but green with a smile just, and offer a free dental. Just have to be a bit more relaxed, you know, whereas we've got our coffee, we're just, we're hyped up. Yeah, that's yes. right. You're all dressed in black and like shivering. So it's already weird. <laughs> that's scarves. But it's, it's just a good lesson. It's, you know, isn't there the expression we should have marks in our hearts but not in our mouths or something like we need to remember that we're talking to actual human people and being super excited and knowledgeable and aggressive about politics is uh may very well disconnect you or rob you of the chance to actually connect with another person and, and actually win their vote so i think that's yeah that's less yeah. but as i say i didn't really i didn't think that was a major problem if they're quoting theory at voters then um that's yeah. i don't think that's going to win <laughs> Well, right. But I would assume that that's not what's happening. I mean, you know. the leftist theory vote is a very small vote and yeah. uh, very, small. very hard to pin down. Yeah, look, I'd also yeah. say the thing that you lose out on if you just speak at people, you don't get the opportunity to listen to what people yeah. are upset about, you know, and parties right. need to do that. You know, it's, I yeah. think the Greens have been doing that very well in Brizzy from everything I've seen. Um, and we're trying to do that here. So, you know, that's important. Mm. Mm. The last one is just sort of in terms of the uh, competition. I mean, obviously, is okay. the, if the Victorian Socialists continue to go uh, from strength to strength, we will be competing for similar votes. We will be having some kind of relationship. I mean, I, I, you know, from the experience of Footscray, I know some of the Greens councillors in Maribyrnong, they, they have a um, quite productive relationship with Hawaii in terms of actually mm-hmm. governing or working in a council and making that work. So that's, that's a good sign. And hopefully we can, you know, get more of that. But one particular incident uh, people pointed out, and I, and I don't know a huge amount of this just based on these tweets, but apparently Victorian Greens preferenced reason over Victorian socialists mm. in the Northern Metro Upper House, which um, potentially could have made a slight difference, I suppose, although they wouldn't have preferenced Adam Somirak over them. So maybe mm. maybe it didn't mean much, that much in the end. But anyway, people pointed that as an example of the Greens preferencing broadly, we preferenced you guys too across the mm-hmm. across the state. I think, but that is that's an example of the Greens preferencing reasons who are Why? good on on some fronts when it comes to drugs and and um, um, things like euthanasia legislation, etc. But are also pretty free markety, businessy kind of outfit. Mm. That you, it does seem odd that we would have the Greens preferencing them above. Do you, do you know much about what happened there? Yeah, look, bits and pieces. I certainly wouldn't put down uh, Fiona's possible win in the North to the Greens preferences. Uh, Labor mm-hmm. had preferenced her, and from what I've understood, some of the unions um, donated quite a bit of money and also assigned organisers and activists to go and campaign for her. Um, oh, and God. that's very much a Labor thing. Well, she's she's votes with Labor on everything basically. So you know, does she? Okay. Yeah. Like as I understand it, with the Greens logic behind that decision 
you know, basically I just think the Greens and um, Victorian socialists need to do a two for two. Like we need to preference each other wherever mm. we run. Like that, mm. it, it makes total sense. Um, you know, like our votes will help get Greens across the line well before we we're in line to win lower house MPs ourselves. There are areas that we focus on that the Greens haven't focused on so far. There are areas that the Greens can win where we don't, we haven't touched. Like we're not in Paran. We're not south of the river. And, you know, then on, on local campaigns, local councils, like absolutely yes. Like there's so much the two parties can do together. Um, so we're not in competition at this point. I mean, there's an implicit competition going on, but we're not in this direct, you know, I mean, honestly, like a healthy political system would be the, you know, the Greens versus the Socialists, you know, with a yeah. few other <laughs> minor parties. That'd be quite good, really. Um, but look, in terms of the preferencing decision, as I understand it, one thing that the Greens wanted to do, and this is very good, um, we certainly were on board with it and we agreed with it, is to form a preference block that undermined Glendrary. This is a very Victorian mm. thing, is the preference yep. whisperer. You know, he brokers deals, totally unprincipled deals. Fiona Patton's gone in on those before. Um, you know, getting reasoned people over the line with, like, votes from far-right weirdo Christians. Um, or, you know, the Animal Justice Party getting in with votes from the Shooters and Fishers and yeah. vice versa. Jesus Christ. Like, so this time around, we, the progressive parties very broadly defined blocked together to say, absolutely not, we're not touching that. Mm. Um, that was good. Uh, Fiona Patton did go to the angry Victorians, but that she didn't do that via Glendrury, so... You know, we criticised that. We thought that was a bit dodge, but whatever. Right. Um, and then it was basically the the equation, as I understand it, was trying to keep Fiona Patton in that preferencing block. Um, mm. You know, she's got to get something, otherwise she's going to go to the right. And the price yeah. of that is that it's possible that Adam Somyurek will get in, not on our preferences, not on your preferences, not on progressive yeah. preferences, but on dodgy far-right preferences. Oh, right. So it sort of undermines the strength of the left. Um, my hope is we get rid of this voting system. Like it seems like every progressive party wants to do away with it. Labor yeah. will be the barrier there because they benefit it from mm-hmm. it in all sorts of ways. It's a system that's really harmed the Greens. Like you know, the number of Greens mm-hmm. upper house MPs is far lower than what it should be based on the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll get rid of that, and then hopefully Glenn Drury's business model is now stuffed, so that you know we could have a basically the left getting on with it and helping each other. That's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Unity. Oh. Unity. So, so cute. Sweet. Let's all hold hands. Did you see, before you go, could ask, did you see the tweet from at Luke Kezar that said, look, I got no problem with socialist, but I draw the line at Victorian. <laughs> Very good. Where Very is good. this? Is he a Queenslander? Where the fuck I is this I don't know going? who this is. I don't know who okay. this Luke Kezar is, but I got to say it brought me and a lot of other people, a lot of other Queenslanders, lots of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no respect for his cultural betters. Yes. <laughs> oh, now that's a Victorian Greens attitude that I can get on board with. Um, VictorianSocialist.org.au. I don't know if it's kosher for me to mention this other political oh. party, but if people are interested. We've set up a redirect. <laughs> we can, yes, we join. <laughs> no, we appreciate you very much taking the time to lay this out. Congratulations on all the uh, all the wins, man. And, oh, and people should, of course, read Jackman too. No matter what political mm. party you're in, on the left, you always get something out of Jackman's really good Especially. stuff, including some pieces on the success and the kind of campaigns that Victorian socialists were running. So check that out. Um, Daniel Lopez, thanks for chatting to us on Serious Danger. Thanks, Daniel. Wonderful. Thanks so much. It was a really good time. Hi. Are you a fan of Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I am. What do you like about him? Um, that he's a socialist. Well, you know Venezuela, right? Heard of it. A majority of the country is currently eating rats while their politicians are drinking champagne on a daily basis. You people have, like, worms in your brain, honestly. We do have a call to action. Um, we spoke about this. You, you might have heard if you've listened to the Patreon episode, the live show with Michael Berkman. We spoke about sort of anti-protest 
crackdowns from governments and disproportionate sentences for for protesters, climate protesters, and about Violet Coco's fucked up sentence um, where she's been sentenced to, now I've forgotten the figure, but is it 15 months in prison, eight months no parole? Something like that, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. for blocking the Sydney Harbour Bridge as part of a climate protest. Blocked the, like one lane of the bridge for like... 25 minutes or something like that. Yeah, 25 minutes. I mean, that is ages. I mean, that deserves eight months of being locked up. Yeah, yeah. Inside and absolutely. having your freedom denied, I reckon. Yeah. Well, yes. They're, according t- they're to- inconveniencing <laughs> our way of life, as New South Wales yeah. Premier Dominic Ferrite put it. Mm, yes. So these fucked up, like, fossil fuel owned politicians have come out being like, no, this is good, actually. I think this is it's great good. and the courts are working really well. Yeah. Uh, but people with any shred of sanity and humanity <laughs> at all are like, yeah. this is cooked. Uh, mm. We should not be punishing peaceful protesters and particularly people who are trying to just raise the alarm about something that is going to kill us all. Mm. Uh, so there is, there's a, a chuffed fundraiser to um, support Violet's legal costs, her legal fees, um, get Violet out of prison. We'll chuck a link in the show notes. looks like it's actually raised a fair chunk of money already, but um, I imagine that, you know, those funds will go to a good cause regardless because protesters keep getting targeted for this shit and it is really ridiculous. So please chuck in some money if you can. Did you see that she's like the niece of a high-ranking New South Wales Liberal Minister? I vaguely saw this and I was like, wow, and the end that that minister that came out and was like, fuck my niece, lock her up. No, no one's above the law. Yeah, I was trying to write jokes about this. Uncles suck, right? Like because I became an uncle in the last year. I feel like all representations of uncles in culture and in, in general society, uncles always are always doing terrible things. That's true. My <laughs> uncle looks like Steve Irwin. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, that's Uncle good. Keith. I guess we used to have um, this giant life-size cutout of Steve Irwin at my dad's house. That I literally like you would because you'd walk in and be like Keith, and then you'd be like, oh, it's Steve Irwin. They looked so similar. Is your uncle's name Keith Moon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he yeah. the drummer from the yeah. fucking The Who? The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a whole lot going on. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> <sighs> really good. All right, anyway. everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with us. Sorry that we're a bit out of it and that uh, we're sickly. And we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Daniel Lopez. Um, and we will be back with fresh new content next week. You can always follow us on social media at Serious Danger AU. Subscribe to us on YouTube, please. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And send us an email anytime you like. Hello at SeriousDangerPod.com. <laughs> Stop giggling. Serious danger, Australia.